Hello, everybody! Woo-hoo! Welcome to another episode of Moaning Myrtle's Bathroom. I'm Katie. I'm Emily. And today we are coming at you, as promised, 2K19 with our book Chamber Club! of Secrets Book Club. So today we are covering the first half of Chamber of Secrets, as you all know, because you follow us on Twitter and have been getting those updates. <laughs> so we're going to be starting from the first chapter of the book, going to the end of chapter nine, which is the writing on the wall, womp womp. and then picking up next episode with the rest. So we're going to do this as we did last time. Katie's going to walk us through the plot. I'm going to interject with some uh, discussion questions from Pottermore, Scholastic, and because I felt like there weren't enough questions ready for us on either of those platforms, I got some other ones. And you guys, they're pretty wet and wild, so <laughs> get pumped because it's going to be nasty. Yeah, get ready. This book is like one of our biggest ones. <laughs> so Listen, oh, man. you should all know this if you listen to the last episode. <laughs> Okay? Like, it's about to get real and raw for me, personally. Yeah. So get pumped. This is one of the two Tom Riddle books, so it's gonna ah! get pretty good. Pretty hot in here. And that but that's me be being with... Ray Fiennes as Voldemort. <laughs> oh Thank my you, God. the Academy, and God. And God. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this gift. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this gift and this voice that they I love use. you all. Thank you. Okay, so, just like last time... Our toilet floods are going to be our favorite part of the section mm-hmm. that we are covering. So, Emily, what was your favorite part of the first half of Chamber of Secrets? Well, let's just say this. It's a lot like Sorcerer's Stone. Of a Stone, <laughs> if you must. Um, where the first half of the book, it's kind of like a lot of setup. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all the really juicy parts kind of happen toward the end of the book. So mine is very small. Okay. For this first half. My uh, favorite thing about this section is the moment when I, um, when I read the words, uh, of Draco screaming at his dad about how Harry Potter has a broom and a scar and he's so cool. And Lucius Malfoy goes, you've told me this at least a hundred times. You took mine! Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so funny. It's so I funny. love it. I love it. Have you seen the deleted scene from the movie where I they, must they were have, but I don't that? remember it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love how Draco's just like it's Harry Potter and everyone loves him, and Lucius is like, I know. <laughs> I also like that part is is just like good and fun and fresh because then you like you get that little bit of the Malfoys being like, we still gotta pretend like it's not good right now to say anything bad about Harry Potter, so cool your fucking jets. Yeah. Draco. I know. (laughs) Oh, that part is so good. I'm sorry I took yours. Well, let's think of another one to talk about, too. What's another great part of this first section that you really enjoy? I guess my other favorite part is just... (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Well, I also just really like when we get to see the burrow for the first time. Yeah. Like, getting picked up in the car. I remember the first time I read this book, I think the second chapter ends with, like, Ron Weasley was outside Harry's window. And I remember the first time I read this book, that line got me so excited. Because I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And so then, like, we get to go to the burrow and seeing how, like, awkward and shy Ginny is around Harry, like, the first time. Yeah. Knowing, like, 
what their relationship like turns into in the later books is just like really cute to me like seeing her be this like precious little like shy kid (laughs) i'm like tbt to my first grade crush and i never wanted to talk in front of them either so like i get it i get it (laughs) i also would say another big standout of the first half of the book just straight up is gilderoy lockhart oh my god yes (laughs) i anything that comes out of his mouth is so good to me he sucks Oh, he's so good. (laughs) Every single scene with him is just, it's golden. I love him. Oh my god. Well, I I will say this. Katie, um, your book exploded, so you had to buy a new one. It did. We um, talked about these new covers on a previous podcast, and Mm -hmm. I didn't have such great things to say about them. I said, well, maybe if I see them in person, maybe I'll like them a little bit more. Jury's out. I still don't really you care for them. Still don't like them. <laughs> I still. Don't I really think care they're interesting. It just they're cool, but I they're not my. It favorite. doesn't I, like all of my other books are the, the original, original artwork, and so this one like sitting on my bookshelf with all my other ones just looks weird. Oh. But I like literally did not have a choice. Yeah, shit. We should have gotten a half price while we were out. I know. God, well, when we it. go get Cold Stone later, we yes. can go to half price. <laughs> we gonna get ice cream. Don't be jealous. <laughs> we gotta soothe our vocal cords after talking for an hour, <laughs> screaming at the top of our lungs. But yeah, I when I went to go pick up my first copy of Chamber of Secrets that I had, I literally opened it and like several pages just like fell out. And so I was oh. like, well, that's not good. So I ran to Target because so I was like, I have to buy a new one. And the mm-hmm. only ones they had were the new like pencil sketch covers. Mm. And it's fine. I mean, I still think they look cool. I'm sure I will probably own a full set of them at some point. But like... <gasps> I still need to own copies of all the originals. Yeah, too. and so I'm very partial to the the second printing that I got, which are these like beautiful kind of purpley, like painted yeah, looking cool. illustration ones. These pencil sketchings, though. Anyway, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because it's like, hey, look, I actually saw one in person and still don't super care for them. <laughs> also, they are different. Yeah, you guys. Um, my 50,000-year-old uh, Yeti microphone passed away today. <laughs> and we uh, ran out, and I, with my big kid bucks, bought a new microphone. So if it sounds different and not so great, I'm going to try and edit it when we're doing this to, like, make it sound nice like I do mm-hmm. all the time. But if it if it's hard if it's harder to listen to, I guess, let us know. Yeah. Send us something anywhere and maybe I can try and fix it a little bit. But and we'll see what we can do. It might it might maybe even be nicer because it's a brand new microphone. Yeah. But who's who's to say for sure? But it just you know, I don't want it to be bad for right. you all to listen to because that's kinda of the point of it. So Yeah. Send us something if it's hard to listen to, but I'm gonna try my best to make it not hard to listen to because it shouldn't be when I dropped this chunk of change on it. It yeah. shouldn't sound bad. <laughs> the box said it was perfect for podcasting. The box said so. it was perfect for podcasting, Katie, <laughs> and I trusted it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh well, okay. That's enough nonsense. Let's get into it. I love this book. It's so good. I had so much fun reading it. It's just good times. It's honestly one of my faves, and I know that it shouldn't be, because it's still a very starter book, yeah. but, like, I love it so it's much. It's still good times. Oh, well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, okay. we open. Chapter one. The worst birthday. <laughs> Bad birthday. 
I love this chapter. <laughs> Can I say something that frightened me right off the bat? Yeah. Reading this again. It's like, I don't know why. It hasn't even been that long since I've reread these. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's hitting me again that, like, the the whole, like, he's having, like, sweat-drenched nightmares about Voldemort. I know. And that it's only been weeks since that happened. Right. And I don't know why that hasn't hit me before. Or maybe it has and I just don't remember, but, like, it hurts. I know. I Like, it's crazy to think, yeah, it has just been weeks <laughs> since this happened. I know. Poor kid. This poor kid. It's We get another chapter of, again, Dursley abuse to start out the book. Oh my god, of it's a nightmare. This time, their abuse is very more centered on being scared of magic. Mm-hmm. Locking away all of Harry's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We've also got some sick animal abuse going on, too, with Hedwig. Yeah, with Hedwig. Fun. God. (laughs) It's fun to me, though, because I always forget that the Dursleys don't know that he can't use magic outside of Hogwarts, and so he's kind of, like, abusing that by, like, pretending to do magic with Dudley and freaking him out. Like, that's really fun. His fake spells crack me up. Jiggery (laughs) pokery. Like, oh, man. It's so funny. Oh, and this is when they're preparing for the Masons. I'll yep. be in my bedroom, bedroom, making no noise and pretending I'm not there. <laughs> um, and that's the first time that he sees Dobby's eyes. And that's pretty much it. That happens in the first chapter. Yeah. The Masons come over, they have dinner, Harry goes up to his room, and Dobby is sitting on his bed, and then that leads us to chapter two. <laughs> and in chapter two, we never find out the punchline of Uncle Vernon's racist joke. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Crazy. Oh, God. Here's the thing. I'll, I've said it. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, when because we're going to be doing the movie commentary coming up here. I'm so excited. Um, which is going to be hard to listen amazing. to. amazing. Hard so to excited. listen to. But, um, like, I think I said this for Sorcerer's Stone. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, these first two movies, I feel like we're very... British. Like they didn't mm. they didn't work hard to make sure that everybody was understandable for the American audience. Yeah. And so like there's so many lines that are the exact same, like lifted directly out of this. I know. Book. I noticed that when I was reading this. But like when I when I think of the movie, it's like when I hear him say you've ruined the punchline in my Japanese golfer joke, it's like you brought like I don't know why, like the accents are hard for me in these first two movies sometimes. Just yeah. the Dursleys, I think, and I don't know why. I know. It's like Vernon especially, I'm like, What are you saying? What's happening? And there wasn't like a lot of effort I think put in. But it doesn't matter. Like don't like I'm not trying to be that American lady. I don't need everything to be for me, but it's like, I forget that, like, so many of the lines are taken right out because I, like, have a weird time connecting it with the accent that I I know. (laughs) (laughs) So Dobby's here. So Dobby's here. And he... I mean, this scene feels like it comes straight from the movie. So much of the dialogue is, like, word for word from the movie scene, but... God bless Chris Columbus. God bless Chris Columbus. He should have done them all. I wish. I wish. We will get to this when we talk about the movie, but... Seriously. Um, yeah, so Dobby comes in, and he is, um, immediately shaken up by Harry, because he's like, you're so noble, you're so good. Probably the first time Harry's ever heard that in his life. And then, um, yeah, he gives him this warning that, like, bad stuff is gonna happen at Hogwarts, you shouldn't go, and he is trying to keep Harry from Hogwarts, trying to tell him not to go. 
you find out he has been withholding Harry's mail to make him think his friends don't care yep. about him. And then he does magic in the house, destroys Petunia's lovely pudding that she mm-hmm. slaved over for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> Can I say something potentially problematic? Yeah. I don't like Dobby. You don't like I him? don't like Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like it's not okay to Sacrilege. say. Sacrilege! <laughs> I don't... I I don't know what it. I just can't. He sucks. <laughs> I know he that is he's like trying annoying. to be nice, but he sucks. He is trying to. He is annoying. Like all of the things that go wrong for Harry in this book, just kind of like give you a little twinge of like, oh, seriously. Yeah, and also not to like get that deep and take it too far, but it like kind of does get that far because of Goblet of Fire. But yeah. like. The, like, minstrel show level of, like, the way house elves behave is so stressful to me. I know. (laughs) That, like, I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way he behaves. I don't like, it feels not okay with, like, the weird, like, racial messages that she's trying to put in here. I know. uh, With the, like, spew stuff. I can't. It's just, it's all a nightmare to me. And anyway, like, I think out of the house elves that we meet, Dobby's definitely my least favorite. And I never found his death sad. Sorry, everybody. No, I never cried. I was like, fuck, Dobby. We're gonna lose so many fans. No, we're not. (laughs) I'm allowed to not like Dobby. I feel like Dobby is either one of those characters that people really like or really hate. And there's not really an in-between. Yeah. I like, like I've met a lot of fine, people who like can't I, stand But him. I like don't I don't quite care for him. He's not like a character that I care about a lot. I know. Whenever people are like, oh Dobby's death is the saddest death to me, I'm like, really? Dobby <laughs> Dobby is happy <laughs> to be with friends. Oh my god. That's, that's my spot on Dobby impression. <laughs> Isn't the guy who voices Dobby the guy who's Caesar Flickerman's co-host in the Hunger Games movies? <laughs> is that him? I don't I think know. it is. I just know he's Zola from Captain America. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. And he played the worst Truman Capote in the worst in Cold Blood movie ever. Oh, really? Philip Seymour Hoffman shitting in his mouth with his performance. <laughs> And Yikes. Daniel Craig, who plays the the, the most recent James Bond, mm-hmm. uh, is also in that movie and shares a tender kiss with the guy who voices Dobby. Oh, gross. it's disgusting Ew. and incorrect. A tender kiss. <laughs> a tender kiss. James Bond and Dobby fucking it up. Go. It's gross. OTP. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just need to get that out there because, like, this is his first book. He's gonna keep showing up, and these are just my thoughts and opinions, and I need to put it out there. Yeah. Lay it on the table. It's not like I want bad things to happen to him. He's just annoying. I just don't care for him. Yeah. And he stresses me out. <laughs> I don't yeah. find him, like, like, I don't... I'm not charmed by him. I'm not like, aww, what Dobby. What a cute little servant. Aw, he did a little funny thing. He messed up. Oh, what a cute little... No, I don't. I can't. He seriously fucks up Harry's life quite a few times in this book, though. Also, his hint is bad. His hint is bad! His hint is bad. I know. I was like, no one would ever pick up on that. Oh my god. <laughs> like, withholding his mail from his friends, fine, whatever. But, like... Sending a rogue bludger after him and breaking his arm. Yeah. You know? It gets rough. 
making him fly a car to school because he can't get onto the train. Like, that's just mm-mm, too far. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So, anyway, that's pretty much what happens in this one. And then the Dursleys get really mad, obviously, because Harry ruins Vernon's big chance to get a sale. And they chain him up in his room. Let me pause you for a second, actually, because I have, um, I do have a question. A discussion question coming up here before we move past this first Dobby part. Okay. So this is coming from some other unnamed book club thing because I just was looking online and I found some questions and I didn't really care who it was from. Because it's not Scholastic and it's not Pottermore, so fuck off. (laughs) But Dobby says that he knew about Harry Potter's greatness, but not of his goodness. So what is the difference between greatness and goodness? Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Deep philosophical question. philosophical question. Greatness may be meaning, like, his power. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Ollivander says, you could, you great, great power. It's terrible, but it's great. It's like, massive. Like, in quantity. Yeah. <laughs> this is, it's like... more power than most people have. This question I appreciate, because it's, it's a good discussion question, but it also makes me feel so much anger, because there was a... In my 10th grade English class, there was an essay question... Being like, why is it called The Great Gatsby? What does great mean? I'm like, oh, "Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And I hated that. And I answered it in a way that I thought made sense. And then I did not get a good grade on that essay question. I was like, whatever. Oh. Whatever. Lame. So. Can we just talk about the fact that Dobby would have heard everything he knows about Harry from Draco Malfoy? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh uh, he would have heard of his goodness from Draco Malfoy. What are you talking about? <laughs> Such a do-gooder. I oh hate him. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, it's like he's a he's a, a great and noble figure because he um, vanquished the Dark Lord as a baby. He really did it himself. Right. <laughs> and um, but he's his, very his goodness is him as a person. He's just a good kid. So yeah. that's that's that. Well, let's let's move on because I do have another question coming up here before we move toward the burrow. Before so, we move toward the burrow, I mean that's pretty much it. The Dursleys lock him up in his room, put bars on his window, mm-hmm. and then the Weasleys come in. But the they day. they find out because Harry gets a letter in the mail. Oh, that's true. They find out that he can't do magic outside of Hogwarts. Do magic outside of Hogwarts, and they give him a warning. Mm-hmm. Slap on the wrist. Yeah, <laughs> don't do it again. So I have a question from Pottermore then that says, do you think the restriction of underage magic is a good thing? I mean, for the most part, I would say, yeah. I mean, if kids aren't fully educated. Yeah. Then it's probably better to keep them from doing magic. And you would assume that, you know... Most wizarding kids are supervised by their parents, so, like, you'd think it's not a big deal. But for muggle-borns or people like Harry, who Mm -hmm. could do magic but, like, fuck up because they're not fully trained yet, like, I feel like it's generally a good rule. My question is, though, like, you'd think that the Ministry would be able to tell when it's, like, the actual wizard who did it versus, like, if it's just magic happening around them. Here's Because, like, Harry didn't do this. Yeah. And also, like, um, like, pureblood kids or whatever like, living in magical places. Like, they get away with it because they're in a house of, like, adult wizards doing magic, too. So, like, you can't tell. You just know that it's happening here. Because that's the point of this. And you, like, trust that the parents are, like, not letting their kids Yeah, so they're like, of course the house elf isn't here, so the only wizard in the house, of course, did this magic. Right. 
so like I think it's I think it is unfair because and then also here's what is stupid to me is that like so what they expect like three months to go by without these kids practicing and then they just go back to school and everything's fine right that seems like the kind of thing you need to practice. Yeah. My mom got me a workbook as a kid for the summer because I, I needed to do my times tables. I had that so too. So I can't, I can't imagine, like, you have to. But I'm sure they could assign them, like, summer readings and stuff, but, like, theory can only get standard. you so far. Yeah, umbrage. You know? So, like, I, I don't know. I just, I think some of it is, like, not quite fair. I get it. Yeah. But I don't think it's quite fair for everybody. Right. I think it it gives a lot of um, leeway for pure blood kids. It limits them a lot. I know. I'm confused because, like in the seventh book, you learn about the trace, and they talk about the trace as if that's supposed to detect whenever an underage wizard is doing magic ever. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's maybe something that just wasn't fully thought out, or maybe. something. I don't know. I guess we'll see as we continue going through. I just, I think it's it's unfair that Harry, like, got in trouble for doing magic that he didn't even do. Yeah. And then it comes back to haunt him later, because, like, looking forward in Order of the Phoenix, when he does do magic, yep. they bring this up again and are mm-hmm. like, well, he also did a hover charm. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So, anyway, is there anything else with this chapter? No, let's move on. Harry makes his great escape. Harry makes his great escape. This is the first time we see the flying car. Um, he tells them about, (laughs) he tells them about Dobby, and Fred and George are like, it sounds like someone just kind of wants you to, like, not come back. Like, is there anyone that wouldn't want you to come back? And Harry and Ron are like, Draco Draco. Malfoy. (laughs) (laughs) Always. That made me happy. I was super... He hates me. <laughs> this is this is a question, too, that I saw but didn't write down because I thought, like, well, it's obvious he's an asshole to them. Mm. But there was a question that I saw on some discussion list that was, like, why are Harry and Ron so quick to always blame Malfoy and Hermione is not as quick to judge? And in my mind, I'm like, well, because Hermione and Draco are in love. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no shame if you're into that. But not me. So I just, that's one that, like, immediately they're like, well, it's Draco Malfoy. And then as yeah. it continues to go in, it's like, well, Draco Malfoy's opening it because he hates people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Draco Malfoy. It's always Malfoy. And then right. it, like, kind of never is. Right. <laughs> Except for the one Except time it is. Except for the one time it is. And at that point, no one else believes him. Because they're like, Harry, we've been on this road so many times. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, Yeah. I don't know. I think Hermione is probably just more logical about it. Yeah. You know? I think so, too. She does, I mean, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but, like, she does seem to really believe that it is Draco who's opening the chamber, though. Or at least he knows something. There are lots of facts that line up to make it look like it could be him, though. Yeah. So. He just talks shit all the time. Yeah. So, anyway, so then we get to the burrow. And we get to see the burrow for the first time ever. This is also Harry's first time ever meeting Mr. Weasley, which I always kind of forget. I assume that he's met Ron's parents in the first book. Yeah, was why wasn't Arthur there dropping his kids off? I don't know. What a deadbeat. I (laughs) know. (laughs) I was only sending four kids to Hogwarts this year, so it's not that many. (laughs) Molly can do it on her own. She's fine. So... Oh, it's so cute how Ron is so, like, I mean, it's it's nothing special. It's just my yeah. house. And Harry's like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. And 
then they denome the garden. Yeah, that little part where Harry's like, this is what a garden should be like. A mess. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's so cute. So, so it's just gotta, like intro to the Weasley family yeah. and their living quarters, basically. I've got two chapter. questions from Pottermore here. Um, the first being, why is the burrow so appealing to Harry? I think number one sad answer is, like, he likes the, like, wildness of -hmm. it because, um, like, the amount of structure and rules at the Dursleys has led to a lot of abuse over his life. So, like, anything that's not that, like, magic feels kind of wild. It's, like, supposed to be, you know, like, everything the Dursleys aren't is, like, what wizards are. So, like... Right. Anything that is the opposite feels, like, so freeing and exciting for him. Mm-hmm. But also, like, there's so much love in that house. I know. And it's cozy! It's cozy! <laughs> and it's just, like, you get to see what, like, the day, a casual day in the life of a wizard is. You yeah. know, like, how magic is just present in their house with, like, the cleaning and the cooking and, like, the fun stuff. <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's cute. So, he just, it's like, it's like the opposite of the Dursleys, so automatically it's like he loves right. it. Yeah. Because that place is so bad for him. And there's so much love for him there. Like, mm-hmm. everyone wants him there. The only person who's avoiding him is Ginny, but it's not because she doesn't like him. <laughs> yep. It's because she likes him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is, this, this one's kind of interesting to me. Okay. Where do you think Ron feels most at home? Huh. Because you know from, like, the stuff with the mirror in the last book that, like, he's got some complicated feelings toward being part of such a large family. Right. So, like, do you think, is it at home or at Hogwarts? I almost feel like it's at Hogwarts. Yeah. Maybe. He, he gets is, to I kind will, of be his own person. Yeah, there. like, he, he has room to, like, be himself and mm-hmm. to not, like, be put in to this, stand like, mold out. that his family wants him yeah, to be in. Yeah, and to stand out, too. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, friends with Harry, so he gets put in the spotlight a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's not being, like, overshadowed by, like, everything that's happening with his siblings at home. Yep. So. I think that that's interesting. I think, really... I, I, I think let's talk about Hermione with this too because I think maybe it applies to all the members of the trio is that Hogwarts feels more like a home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, at least. Yeah, it's interesting are. because you hear Harry say that a lot. Like, Hogwarts is my home, but you never really hear the others say it. Yeah, but I think it it's true, at least sometimes. Like, in multiple books, mm-hmm. Hermione's parents are just on vacation without her and she's like, no, I'll stay here, I don't want to go. Yeah. And it's like, a girl, you, you're at boarding school, you don't see your parents, like, ever. Right. You see your parents for three months out of every year. Yeah. You're not going to go home? Right. So, I don't know. I think that, you know, she she's allowed to be smart and exciting and creative. And she has friends. And has friends at Hogwarts. So, yeah. I think really, yeah, that can be said for all three of them, even mm-hmm. though you just get Harry's dialogue of Hogwarts being home. Yeah, I agree. Oof. Yeah, I think for a lot of characters... That can be said. I think that's mm-hmm. a big theme. Yeah, I think so too. The only ones that like focuses on is Harry and Voldemort, but like <gasps> go for a lot more. <laughs> Don't talk about it yet. Okay, <laughs> he's not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh that chapter's just so cute. 
It I is. love all the chapters in every book where they're just, like, hanging out at the burrow. I think they're all it's so just, fun. It's just so nice to, like, get a moment of Harry being happy and content right. for, like, one moment. I know, for just, like, one <laughs> chapter, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, okay, so... This is at Flourish and Blots, but this is the chapter where they go to Diagon Alley, Harry gets lost... With the flu powder. Can I say, somebody should have gone with him. I know! Honestly, and their explanation is too fast and fucked up. Well, yeah, with kids. Like, little kids. Yeah. You have to be able to. Yeah. Come on. I know. I know, they're all just, like, shouting advice at him. Like, everyone's, like, telling him, like, something different to do. Like, keep your elbows tucked in and, like, don't I get would just start mouth. crying and not do it. I'd be I like, know. I'll walk. I know. I'd be like, I'll just stay here. Take some money out of my bank account. Yeah. Buy my stuff for me. Seriously. That sucks. That's stressful. <laughs> and I always, like, I kind of forget that, like... Flu powder is, like, you have to make sure that you get out at the right grate. Like, it's not, like, aberrating no, or, yeah. or, like, a port key where it takes you directly where you want to go. Like, you just go in and then have to recognize when to get out, you know? Yeah, I'd hate Like, that's that. really stressful, especially for Harry. Like, he wouldn't know when to get out, you know? It's, like, a very stressful bus ride. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's so fast. I don't, yeah, I don't care for it. I, I did not really remember the flu stuff being so stressful. So chaotic. But God, it sucks. I know. I wanted to cry for him. I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want I can't believe people would like do that with their kids when they're so young. I know. Wouldn't you puke? Yikes. Wizards have weird way of travel. I wouldn't let my little kids do any of those kinds of like traveling. They're so, like, afraid of technology. Right. That they refuse to do so. Like, even, I think this is interesting, is that you see, like, you know, we talked about this before at some point, I don't remember which one we were in, but that, you know, like, the Weasleys are supposed to be the anti-Malfoys, mm-hmm. but, like, there's still a lot of pureblood bias I mean, we we talked about Arthur and his, like, weird, like, safari man. Like, orientalism. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, yikes, yikes, yikes situations. And it's, I was definitely, like, after knowing that, you know, after talking about that and then rereading this book, I was like, oh, God. Right. Like, the way he is with the Grangers, like, a little bit, I'm like, oh, And you get this in here. Yeah, exactly. A lot. Like, he totally fetishizes them a lot. So it's weird. But then you, so, like, there's that. But then also Molly, like thinking any bit of muggle technology is, like, so pointless. Right. Like, it's crazy that, like, they'll allow radios in, but, like, years have passed, like, decades have passed since the television was invented, and, like, the wizards don't have TVs. Right. Wizards don't have phones. That's been around for, like, a decade. Yeah. So, not a decade, a century. Right. So, like, a decade. So, like, it's been around. It's been around. So, like, I think, I just think it's wild and wacky and that, like, mm-hmm. the night bus is there, but, like, the, what other cars? Like, it's... And, like, the ministry cars. The mi- yeah, I think, like, as time goes, like, it starts to be incorporated a little bit more, but it's so segregated. Like, the technology is just not allowed. It's like, oh, it's so crazy what muggles do to, like, get by without magic. It's like, no, this is easier and, like, better than what you're doing. Right. Yours is faster, Yours but ours sucks. is, like, safer and not as, like, weird. <laughs> it's not gonna make me puke my guts out and, like, get crazy lost. Or just get so much anxiety. Yeah. God. So, anyway. That's my little, that's my little moment. I hate, <laughs> I hated that flu powder bit because I was just like, ugh. Poor Harry. And then also, like, this is a bad way to travel. <laughs> I know. I know. I felt so bad for him in that part. And he ends up getting lost. 
So then he ends up in Nocturne Alley. Mm-hmm. And here's where we get a whole bunch of nods to Half-Blood Prince. Okay, so I did have this question that I was thinking. Maybe I'll save it for part two, but we can talk about it here just because there's so much in it. But I think let's revisit it when, when we get to the end of the discussion for part two. Okay. Um, so it, it is what, what themes and, and items from Chamber of Secrets come back later in the series. So we can just talk about what we see at Borgen and Burke's. Like, right. literally everything that Harry looks at. A lot of it is back. very central to, like, Draco's story, too, mm-hmm. in Half-Blood Prince. So I think it's, like, really awesome that Draco is, like, in this part. Mm-hmm. We see the Vanishing Cabinet. Yep. We see the necklace. The Hand of Glory. Yep. Which those two, especially, like, that he's showing real interest in looking at both of those. And, right. like, reading what they're about. And that he then purchases both of those later. Yeah. So good. He shows interest in all three of them because yeah. he, like, almost opens the cabinet. That's and true. then Lucius is like, let's go. Yeah. So, not only are those items mentioned, but, like, yeah, Draco is, like, interested in them right away. Mm-hmm. He literally tries to get his dad to buy him the Hand of Glory. Yeah. So. Ah. Oh, that's really cool. What do you need that for? I love that, too, of, like, uh, Borgen being, like, good eye, good eye. And Lucius Malfoy's like, yeah, my son, living it up and growing up to be a thief. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love it. And he's just like, I want to be a little shit at school. I want this. Or I whatever. Know. But then it- <laughs> I love how, like, as soon as the Malfoys leave the shop, Borgen is like... (laughs) I love how as soon as, like, the Malfoys leave the shop, Borgen is like, yeah, I fucking hate them. Yes. (laughs) I know. For a second, too. Well, I guess Borgen and Burks itself will come back eventually in a big way. Yeah, that's true. But I, for a minute, was just, like, giggling to myself, and then I was like, oh, they're two different people. (laughs) Because I was like, haha, Borgen. And then I, like, confused them in my mind, because it's Burke that we see in Half-Blood Prince. Oh, is it? And not Borgen. So, um, yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's funny. He and Tim probably talked a lot of shit about people who came into the store. But I'm sure Burke did that, too. So, anyway. Yeah, because Burke's the one that, uh, we get that tiny memory thing of, about him talking about getting the necklace from Merope. Oh, that's right. And then they, I think, like, Slughorn talks about... I can't believe you're working for that asshole Burke. <laughs> or whatever, like, uh, yeah. Something like that. I don't remember. Anyway, but he's brought up more, and I think Borgen's just in this one, but... Yeah. 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 Lots of stuff so. comes back. It's very exciting, so... It is very exciting. Yeah, the Tim books are very connected. Did they we talk... Are. Did I bring this up before? You the, did. My little theory yeah. about the uh, one, one seven, seven. Two yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about that. It's just... It's real really and cool. true. It is real and true. <laughs> Oh, I love this chapter. I just love this book. Okay. So, yeah, then this is when we get Draco, like, complaining to his dad about Harry all the time. And and Lucius is like, yeah. I know. I know. (laughs) I love that he's like, well, shut up. I'm not going to buy you a fucking nasty hand. I'm going to get you a broom. And he's like, but what's the use? I know. (laughs) (laughs) He's so dramatic. I love him so so much. Oh my god. What's the good of that if I'm not put on the house team? <laughs> Harry Potter got a Nimbus 2000. He's famous. Everyone loves him. <laughs> With his scar and his broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> What's the exact number that he says of how many times he's told him this? At least a dozen times. <laughs> oh! I wanted it to be a hundred. In my mind, it's a hundred. 
<laughs> you have told me this at least a dozen times already. <laughs> <laughs> he spent the whole summer yelling. Every week. Oh my Dad, god. Dad, Harry got a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. And then he goes out and um Can we talk about this lady with just a tray of fingernails? I know. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Ewey. <laughs> <laughs> Not lost, are you, my dear? <laughs> Mossy teeth. Ew. Ew. Brush your teeth, lady. You got broccoli in there. Got Bellatrix teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and then he runs into Hagrid, and Hagrid saves the day. And we're getting from the beginning, like, okay, Nocturnelli's a bad place to be. Why is Hagrid there? Mm-hmm. Planting the seeds. Right. Yeah, they mention that later. In the book, like, mm-hmm. when Harry's like, it was Hagrid, and they're like, where did you run into him this summer? Like, they mentioned that. Um, but he was only buying flesh-eating slug repellent. <laughs> Leave him alone. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> um. Ruining all the school cabbages. Okay, and then they run into the Weasleys, and Mrs. Weasley's freaking out. We hoped you'd only gone one great too far. Were they not even looking for him? Were they just, like, in Diagon Alley? (laughs) He'll turn up at some point. It's fine. God. Yikes. Molly's frantic. She's coming now. Oh, my God. So, meet up with Hermione. I'm gonna go get some books. Here he comes, yeah, the so man get, of the hour. So then we get to the next chapter. <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart. Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> oh no, this is all still in this chapter. This is all one thing. Yep. He sees Harry. What color robes is he wearing in this scene? I'd like to keep track. Um, Forget me not blue. Precious. <laughs> <laughs> that exactly matched his eyes. Oh my god. His pointed wizard's hat was set at a jaunty angle on his wavy hair. Oh, what a beautiful man. (laughs) I love him so much. He's so young and hot. He is so young and hot. That's a sexy color for some eyes. Look at that. Yeah, seriously. That's kind of like periwinkle purple. Periwinkle purple. Mm. He does wear periwinkle robes at some Mm -hmm. point here, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Oh my god, He's so a then man he... of distinction and fashion. Oh, so then he pulls Harry to the front. I just love how he's giving Harry lessons about being famous throughout his entire book. Like, Harry, Harry. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So that, that is, was a bit much. Guy. Yeah, that is a question that is coming up here, so we can talk about it now, um, since he's giving him some advice here. Um, from Pottermore, could Harry benefit from learning... Uh, what? Hell, I fucked up. Could Harry benefit? Listen, here we go. Could Harry benefit from listening to Lockhart's advice? Maybe. I think he could because it would maybe teach him what not to do. <laughs> Fame is a fickle friend. Here's the deal. <laughs> Say it with Are you speaking from experience here? No, but like I think honestly it's kind of like a like a Trelawney moment where like all this stuff sounds dumb but it's kind of true. But like yeah. it turns on Harry. He's it like well loved, and in this book it turns so fast. Right. Fame's a fickle bitch, Harry. 
Everyone knows your name, so everyone's going to be quick to assume. I mean, like, some of this stuff is dumb, but it's, like, a little bit of it's true. It seems ridiculous coming from his mouth, but, like, literally, if yeah. it came from anyone else, he'd be like, oh, good point. Yeah, <laughs> Dumbledore was saying it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, too, going along with that, Pottermore also asks, uh, what are the consequences of fame in the wizarding world? The consequences. The consequences. The consequences. <laughs> the consequences. Consequences. Um. Sorry, that just made me think of something else. <laughs> but. <laughs> um. Okay, it's consequences of fame in the wizarding world. Well, for Harry, people expect a lot of great things from him. Terrible, but great. I'm Terrible. Just he, no, true. he has a reputation that he has to uphold now. Like, a lot of people think he's going to go on to do all these great things. Mm-hmm. And he does, but, like, we don't know that at this time. He's 12 years old. Yep. But, like, everyone just expects... Even Dumbledore, like, expects things from him. Like, we've talked about this before, how Dumbledore is, like, setting him up to do these great things. When, like, it doesn't have to be Harry who opens the chamber and saves the day. Yeah. Or saves the stone in the first book. Mm-mm. But since he did one great thing, he has to do all the great things. Yeah. Ugh. What about, uh, are there any consequences for Lockhart? He's also got a lot of expectations. He does Not like anybody cares, but, and like, he's kind of putting him on himself. Him mm-hmm. constantly like, well, I could do it simply and easily. Like, right. It went to his head, yeah, and it, it made him be, like, a very arrogant... Did he forget that he, like, can't do it? <laughs> <laughs> I know he's putting on a show, but, like, has he forgotten along the way that right. he's, like, bad at magic? Right. <laughs> I love that he's a Ravenclaw. I know, I do, too. I love that he's a Ravenclaw. Oh, that's so interesting. It's a real good. I guess another question I could ask, too, um... This one, we could talk about a little later, but we're kind of discussing him right now, Lockhart. Um, This I paraphrase. (laughs) Know this. I paraphrase this question. This is coming from somewhere else. Do you think Lockhart is malicious or just an asshole? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Do you think, do you think that, or should we talk about that at the end when we find out what he's done? The truth about his books. I think at this point in the book right now, everyone would say he's just being an asshole. He's just an asshole. But, like, when you get to the end and you figure out the whole story... Do you think that's malicious? I think it could be, yeah. I do, too. Honestly. that Because he's wiping people's memories. Yeah. To be able to, like, to steal their stuff. Yeah. That's pretty not okay. He's ruining someone else's life to take credit for their own stuff. I think that's pretty malicious. He's doing it for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely malicious. Okay, so does anything else happen in... Oh, then they run into Ma- Malfoy again, and Malfoy's jealous, and you see the hostility between Lucius and Arthur, which is They get in, like, a fist fight. They do. <laughs> they get in, like, an actual fist fight. The poor so Granger is in all of this. I know. <laughs> I feel so bad. Okay. So then the next chapter is the Whomping well, Willow. it happens right here. What? Guess who gets a present unexpectedly? Ginny Weasley. Oh, yeah. Get ready to watch out for her behavior changing real quick. Right. 
Yeah, it says in the next chapter, in the Whomping Willow chapter, she screams that she left her diary yeah. behind when they're, like, pulling out of their house Yikes. to go to the... To go to King's Cross. So, like, she's already developed a connection with it at this it's, point. This happened pre-Hogwarts. That's the really stressful part to me, because it's, like, I would get it if, like, she is having a hard time, like, connecting and making friends because she's feeling timid and nervous about Hogwarts or whatever. Yeah. But then it's, like, this diary kind of becomes all-consuming, but she's already, like... She feels isolated at home, so she starts writing in it. It's writing back. It's her only friend. So then she continues to isolate herself at school because she's already got this, like, hot older dude (laughs) talking to her. Right. And making her feel like she's such a great person. Like, why do you need to go look out for more people? Right. And especially, I mean, listen, we'll talk, I've, I've got a lot to say about Ginny and this diary situation. And it's gonna, we're gonna get into it at the, at the end of the book in the second half of this podcast lecture series. Yeah. I, but I don't, I just like, why would, why would she, she's not being, I'm sure she's not being encouraged to go make friends anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. What would it serve him to have her making friends? Yeah. That's it's true. literally like an abusive guy. It's <laughs> like literally an abusive like boyfriend. an abusive boyfriend. Where it's like, don't go talking to your friends because they're going to tell you that it's not okay to talk to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to tell you to cut me out. Ew. So anyway, we'll get to oh, him. Oh, that's nasty. We'll get to him, but Ooh. it's real and it's serious. Yeah, seriously. I guess I have one more question um, before we get to Hogwarts. Or I guess this is as we get to Hogwarts, we'll talk about it, but does Harry see himself as a celebrity, do you think? I think he doesn't want to. Yeah. He is. He is. Like, period, end of discussion, he is a celebrity. But, like... He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be, and he doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't acknowledge it, and I, I don't want to say he like forgets about it sometimes, but I think he does. Sometimes he's not used to it. Yeah, and so then it just kind of like hits him out of like random places, and he's like, "Oh, that's right." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like with Colin Creevy, I feel like that's like a moment where he like really notices, like, "Oh." Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the the excitement kind of wore off, like, his first year, then and gone, okay, yeah, Harry Potter's coming to school with us, it's fine now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody's, like, flipping out on the train right. anymore. It's just like, yeah, he goes to school with us, but then it's like, Colin Creepy brings it right Colin Creepy's, like, taking pictures of him and wanting his <laughs> autograph. Could you sign it, do you think? <laughs> well, let's, let's get to Hogwarts. Okay. Do we have anything to talk about with, like, the flying car and the Whomping Willow and stuff like that? Well, yeah. I mean, next. yeah, that's big, that they yeah. just decide, oh, we can't get in. <laughs> let's just, let's just take the car. Oh, God. Like, why couldn't you just wait for Mr. and Mrs. Weasley to come back and be like, hey, well, it's when, sealed Even itself. when they're like, well, what if they can't get back? Yeah. So they get apparate, you dumbass. Right. <laughs> No, I get it, because in, like, crisis situations, it's like you're not thinking, you just think, how do I get out? How do we leave? You're not, like, thinking clearly and logically. I know. It's funny to me when, like, McGonagall, when they, like, see McGonagall, she's like, you have an owl, why didn't you just send us a letter? Yeah. God. Someone would have come and got you. Yeah, Scholastic asks, should Harry and Ron have taken the car to school? No! No! (laughs) No! It does save their ass later, but, like... Hell, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why she had them do it, but, like, uh... I don't know. 
That's I feel crazy. like when you're also 12 years old, like, the prospect of, like, <laughs> doing that for the first time would have been so exciting. Yeah. Road trip with my friend. And then it was, like, I'm so, like, surprised because, you know, the movies stick out real clear because it's visual. Right. So it's easier to remember some of that stuff. But that, like, they just have, like, a like a nice, relaxing car ride the whole time until the very end. That they're just, like, chilling. Right. I know. It's talking really cute. shit, eating Cheez-Its. Yeah, <laughs> talking shit. It's just, just good Think times. of everyone who's on the boring train right now. We're up in the sky in a car. <laughs> and then I love it that, too, like, you don't get to see it in the movie that, like, they are kings. No. <laughs> <laughs> they are kings <laughs> when they get to school. It's like, oh, yeah, the howler. Aw, oh, everybody's laughing. It's like, no, they're laughing because they got the howler, not because, like, they did a dumb thing. No. Right. They fucking rule this school. I know, when they get into the, <laughs> when they get into the common room, when they get to school, and everyone's, like, door, laughing like, for stop. them. <laughs> right. Friend George are like, why didn't you let us come with you? That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. How is this breaking of school rule? Like, Dumbledore, like, when he comes and talks to them about it, he's like, if you ever break any other school rules. Like, they weren't yeah, at they school have yet. That? And do they have that written down, too? Like, what has this happened in the past that this has been an established rule <laughs> at school? And, like, what rules did they break? The school year hasn't started yet, and it didn't happen on school grounds. So, like, why should the teachers get to punish them for this? Don't drive a car into our shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe you hurt the Whomping Willow, but, like, other than that, what did they do wrong? Can I just ask this, too? So, like, we're getting into classes, blah, blah, blah. Um, why is it not a thing that immediately needs to get remedied? Like, how are at none of the professors being like, your wand is broken, you need yes. to get a new one now? I know! How did he go an entire school this, year not this being weekend, able to do magic? Your parents are getting you. You're going to Ollivander's. You cannot use this. Yeah. This is dangerous for you and others. Right. This fucked up school. That's crazy. <laughs> this school does not give any shits about the safety no, of its students. No, they don't. Not at all. <laughs> How is he not Double failing Horse all murder of his factory. <laughs> he has to be. It's crazy. It's crazy that no one is like that. And he broken, doesn't complain it. about it until like the end of the book when he's like, "How am I supposed to take exams with this? Like that? Even that's just coming to you now." Even Snape with like, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like with the dueling club is like his wand's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I know. God, Jesus, so dumb. So we get. I mean, like, Ron kind of talks about, like, well, I don't want to tell my parents because they're going to be like, it's your own Piss. fault. yeah. But they're going to they have the to do something. teachers would step in. Even if it is your own fault, they're going to have to get him a wand. Right. Like, they're pissed, but you have to have a wand. Yeah. You're not going to endanger your child, like, anyway. So we get to classes. We've got Herbology, the setup. Yes. The Mandrakes. The well, Mandrakes? No, the first... What? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Yep, the Mandrake class comes first. Yeah. Um, that is maybe one of my favorite, I should have said that, but it goes throughout the whole book. The Mandrake stuff is the funniest shit to me in this book. Like, all of the stuff is, like, they're, they're getting acne, 
They're I know. like staying out too late. They're starting to move They're into partying. each other's pots. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just such a good little joke that like so flew over my head as a kid. I know. And that like now rereading them, I'm like, that's so good. I so love like it. all this Mandrake stuff cracks me up. It's oh, so funny. I do have a question. So right, um, isn't it right before um, Herbology or is it later that um, that Colin Creevy and the Lockhart thing happens or is that a little later? Um, he sees Lockhart, but I don't think that okay. that's the Colin Creevy part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Lockhart still pulls him aside, though, before yep. class. Because he's talking Talks to him, and nonsense. he's like, I understand. I gave you a taste of fame. But you didn't have to fly a car. What a big ego. That, I like, know. He gave Harry Potter a taste of fame. <laughs> yeah, right. Flying cars are a bit desperate, Harry. You're just oh, trying to be desperate. noticed. <laughs> That's pretty much the conversation that they have, and Harry's just like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so. so, then let's talk about Lockhart's class. Okay, yeah, so this is the... What color robes is he wearing? Oh, uh, let me find it. Oh, McGonagall's class happens first. Immediately in McGonagall's first class, he, like, breaks one of the desks. <laughs> With his wand. Oh, and that's where he meets Colin Creevy is before Gilderoy Lockhart's class. Yes. Yes, because that's the thing with Malfoy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're signing photos? <laughs> okay. So I, I have a question here with this part. Okay. Colin Creevy accuses Malfoy of being jealous of Harry. Do you think he's jealous of Harry? I absolutely think he's jealous of Harry. <laughs> of course I think he's jealous of Harry. That's the whole point. J.K. Rowling has literally said that Draco's feelings for Harry come in large part from jealousy. Wink. <laughs> wink. Oh, wink. Oh, yeah. Jealous. That little boy is real mad about not being the coolest kid in class. <laughs> I don't think getting your head cut open makes you that special myself. <laughs> What a little oh, freak. I love him. <laughs> what a little ass. I th Yeah, I think he is 100% jealous of Harry. Constantly. 10 out of 10. There it is. Not to bring up the Godforsaken book, but even in Cursed Child, he's like, I wanted to be a Quidditch player, but, like, you were better than me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, it. God. Let me see... If I can find what color robes he's wearing. <laughs> turquoise. 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 Under a perfectly turquoise hat, too. He matches. He matches God. so fine. I love how many times he feels the need to mention that he won the Smile Award. Like, five times. <laughs> he says it a lot. He it's says it constantly. so funny. Um, yeah, so then they get to his class, and, um, this is with the Pixies. Yes. Which is way more dramatic in the movie than it is here. Oh, and they take the pop quiz about him <laughs> in this class. <laughs> oh my god. Isn't he like, what does he say? It's like, well, 
The thing I wish most for is world peace. But yeah. after that, alcohol. Or yeah, something really ridiculous, right? I clearly state that my ideal birthday gift would be harmony between all magic and non-magic people. So I wouldn't say no to a large bottle of Ogden's Old Fire Whiskey. <laughs> He's so His favorite funny. color is lilac. Hell yeah, it is. Oh my god. Hell yeah. What, in your opinion, is Gilderoy Lockhart's greatest achievement to date? <laughs> I love him so much. So the Pixies. Oh, and then his secret ambition is to oh. rid the world of evil and market my own range of hair care potions. <laughs> oh, man. <His> secret ambition. <laughs> I fucking love him. He's so awful. He's so bad. Okay, so the Pixies are a nightmare. I like how he builds them up. I must ask you not to scream. All I ask is that you remain calm. (laughs) Kenneth Branagh is, like, the best. He's such a good Lockhart. Like, he's the most dramatic humanly possible. So good. Seamus is, like, dying in this part. Ah. He's laughing so hard. Oh, it's good. It's pandemonium. That's the word she used. Pandemonium. Oh, man. But it literally, it's like a page and a half that, like, describes <laughs> the actual pixies coming out. Okay, what happens next? Um, the next chapter is Mudbloods and Murmurs. Uh-oh. So this is Quidditch with the first time we ever hear Mudblood. Okay, yeah, alright, let's discuss. I know we've got things to say. We should save things for the movie, but, like, I don't, there's a lot to say, and we can't talk over the whole thing with, like, drama. Right. Here's the thing. Let's, let's discuss, because we talked about this before. I want to give credit where credit is due. Ron Weasley is the best. I know! That movie, having Hermione, I can't. You don't know. Right. Shut up. And then she's crying over it. Like, in the book, she's like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. I know. <laughs> she, like, doesn't even care. She's she like, only knows that? that he said something offensive because everyone else freaked out. Yeah. And Ron, like, when they're in Hagrid's hut, he's like, it's a disgusting thing to say. Yeah. It's, Ron It's goes like in. the he's N-word pissed. in our world. Like, it's that bad of him to say. And that, like, I think it's nuts that he just, like, continues to, like, as these next couple chapters or parts or whatever come through, like, when the writing shows up, that he just, like, in front of everybody, like, that's gathered around is like, watch out, mudbloods. I'm like, dude. Yeah. You're, like, the little asshole who, like, all of a sudden, like, learned to slur and, like, is saying it all the time now. Right. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with you? Like, he's just constantly saying it in this book. It's like his new favorite thing. It's awful. It's his new way of showing his power. Draco Malfoy. You cannot say it. Even when you're singing along to a song in a car. (laughs) By yourself, Draco Malfoy. You cannot say it. (laughs) Ridiculous. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. And I just like that. I don't care. It's like, here comes the first instance here of like, well, I don't know if it's the first instance. I can't really remember from the first one, but like, Movie Hermione, here she comes, here to take everything. Ron is the best. I know. Like, he sticks up for well, her, and it's, like, so good. They he's even so give, good. They even give some of his lines to Hagrid in the movie. Yep. Like, he's the one who's talking about, like, the rest of us know it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. 
Like, he's the one who says Ron's all this good stuff. Kid. Fuck all off. the speech that happens between Hermione and Hagrid in that part is all yeah. Ron. It's all Ron. Ron's so I good. will defend him until the day I die. He is such a loyal friend. Yeah. I can't stand it. And everyone, like, shits on him all the time. Ron's good. All the time. And, like, don't he's shit on him for being least... complex. Right. His, like, yeah, his he has issues his moments where he's an ass, but, like, he has so many moments where he's awesome. I know. So I just get mad. I just wanted to bring that up because it it pissed me I off know. reading that part again. I was like, oh! I know. It's movie. Really <laughs> mad. I saw, like, a Tumblr post the other day that I might have to try to find for, like, one of the later books because they talked a lot about him in, like, Order of the Phoenix mm-hmm. and, like, how he's super, like, good with his friends, like, in, like, the fight at the Ministry at the end and stuff and is, yep. like, sacrificing himself for everybody. Like, yep. He does that a lot over the course of the series. But he's easily, like, so many people hate him. I know. Like, actually hate him. Like, it's not just like a, oh, he's the least popular member of the Golden Trio, but there are people who, like, despise him. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I don't get it. It's no good. Ugh, so anyway, that's pretty much what happens in this chapter. He tries to attack Malfoy by making him eat slugs, and then he ends up throwing up slugs himself. Um, you find out about Hagrid's giant pumpkins, mm-hmm. and he's giving Harry shit, being like, you're signing autographs for people? I know, I think that's so funny, it's like this deep and serious conversation about, like, the word mudblood, and then he's like, hey, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I haven't gotten an autograph. I haven't gotten an autograph, Harry. <laughs> I think, too, let's keep this in mind, I think it'll happen more, um, in the next episode that we do. But we talked about it in the last book clubs. I was kind of going through those and remembering, like, okay, what did we say we wanted to continue looking for? And it's to see the way Hagrid is written. Um, and this is a big Hagrid book, so I want to see, like, this is, is, he, is he seen as more competent in this book than in the in the Sorcerer's Stone? I think in this one he is. Because it's talking about how, at least in this part, with them at, like, his hut and everything, yeah. they're talking about his pumpkins and he's like oh yeah I used an engorgement charm mm-hmm. but like in the later books he can't even use Aguamenti like Harry has to tell him what the incantation I is I think that that comes with too like that she's decided to like make him a drunk sometimes yeah just weird right and I he's not drunk in this part at all his characterization all. I don't know if it's just I don't know if I don't know uh, let me put my words together the way that he changes as the series goes forward from, like, constant companion and, like, kind-hearted, always looking out for them to, mm-hmm. like, kind of a bitter old man to right. them sometimes is just interesting to me. I know. So I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know if she thinks it's just more interesting. I don't... Uh, and it can't be I interesting like forever. In books better. I don't know. I don't know. It's something to talk about as the books keep going. Yeah. I know. I will have, I think we'll have more to talk about with him once we find out in the second half, like, that mm-hmm. he was the one who opened the chamber mm-hmm. and everything. Because that's the first time that people, like, start to think that he's bad. Yeah. And so he's kind of written to be bad for a while or to be a little bit mysterious, mm-hmm. you know? But right now, like, so far, the only times we've seen him were in Nocturne Alley and then here. And yep. there isn't anything scary or weird about him. Mm-hmm. So. What's next? Next is, oh, Harry has his detention, and that's the first time he hears the voice. Oh, that's right. Okay, let's talk about that. So, so then, um, Ron and Harry both think that the other person's detention would be better. 
Right. <laughs> this is so when funny. Ron is polishing like the special awards to the school. Oh! <laughs> he burped a whole bunch of slugs on Tom Riddle's name <laughs> I, a whole bunch of times. Bless him. I just here's what I wonder and Wait, am I dumb? Do they mention this at the end of the book? Is it does it is his trophy does it stay there? Yeah. Even at the end? Yeah. It's still there. Because a lot of people don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't know why. I think they say that it's maybe, like, in, like, a corner of the trophy room. Like, a small little corner. So, like, you wouldn't even notice it, really. But it's still there. <laughs> Dumbledore couldn't get rid of it, so he just moved it to the back. <laughs> <laughs> But even after everything happens, is that not cause enough to, like, okay, we can get rid of it now? Right. <laughs> God. Oh, no. That's All right. funny. So this is the first time Harry hears the voice. Yeah, well, I do have a question about that. Um, Pottermore asks one, why isn't Harry afraid of the voices he hears? Because he's Harry Potter and he's not afraid of anything. Oh, <laughs> but it's like there's there's fear as they continue of like what the voice is saying. But like, why is he not just like straight up afraid that he's like hearing things? He starts to get worried when they're like, "It's not normal," right? <laughs> but like, why is his first reaction not to be like terrified right. not of not even it's like he's scared of what's what it's saying yeah it's going to kill but not scared of that he's hearing it mm-hmm. in the first place yeah why i think i think he just has like a thing and you see it throughout the books like anything like dangerous that he can like exploit he will right like the connection to Voldemort with like the occlumency legitimacy stuff like he doesn't give a shit. He's like, no, I'm gonna use it. And everyone's like, don't. Right. <laughs> but in, like, in the, in here, like, he just goes running after this thing that's saying it's gonna murder people. Like, yeah. It's like, alright, time to, time to follow. <laughs> it's like, he's gonna do it because he's being brave and heroic. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's just something in him that's like, oh, danger? <laughs> I'll fight it. I'll fight it. I'll it's do it. It's fine. <laughs> I got this. Ugh. Alright, so here's the voice. Then so what? Here's the voice. Um, and then it's October. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's October. And, um, let's see. Oh, Nearly Headless Nick gets turned down by the Huntsman. It's the Death Day Party chapter. Yes. Um, Harry is all messy and Filch gets mad and then we okay. find out about the quick spell stuff. Yeah, we gotta talk about, we gotta talk about Filch. Um, but that's another one to come back to. Um, the cabinet breaks in this chapter. Yes. The Hogwarts one. Yeah. It all comes around. It all comes back. I love these two books. I know. <laughs> I know. Peeves drops the, the vanishing cabinet. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. I never put that together before that that's how it broke. Yeah. It's crazy. I love it. Crazy good. So then, with the quick spell stuff, think carefully. Do you feel sorry for Filch? I mean, 
I don't know. I feel like it's kind of tough because, like, yes, I feel bad for him in the sense that, like, he can't learn magic, but he has a job where, like, he is watching students learn magic every day, knowing that he can't do that. But in the earlier books, I feel like, or later books maybe, you learn about, like, how other squibs are treated in the magical world, and, like, he's living pretty high compared to the way that a lot of other squibs yeah, are treated. Yeah, real outcast, but, like, he is a janitor. He is a janitor, but he still gets to be a part of, like, the wizarding community. That's true. Whereas a lot of the other ones get, like, shunned and, like, pushed away. I also away. think, like... Um, I don't know. Like, you you kind of feel bad for him because it's, like, kids don't, kids maybe don't know that he's a squib, mm-hmm. but, like, they treat him like shit, and maybe it's because he's a janitor. <laughs> but also, yeah. it's, like, he's awful. Right. So maybe I kind of don't feel sorry for him because he's like, mean and a bad person, and he, like, wants to torture children. <laughs> right. I know. I get, like, I'd get mad, too, if I spent, like, my entire waking life cleaning up a castle just for kids to, like, fuck it up all the time. Yeah. But, like, that's his job. Yeah. School janitors do the same thing. I also don't... I don't know. There's, like, nothing for him to do. Like, he can't use, um, electrical devices to help clean. Mm-hmm. And he can't use magic. It feels kind of mean yeah. to make him do this. You know what I mean? He has to do it all by hand, this giant-ass castle. That's true. By hand. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I don't, it's tough. Phil's just complicated, because he sucks. <laughs> he's, he's a terrible person, and so I don't feel that bad for him, but you do have to appreciate that. Like, his job isn't a dream job for anybody. Yeah. But it still could be worse for him, though. He could have just been, like, put out on the street and forced to live like a muggle. Could he be happier that way, though? More A more fulfilling life? Maybe. Because he's not forced to be at, like, the bottom of the totem pole. And, like, watching he can just everybody be a person. around him learn magic. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Tough. I think it would be tough for him at this point after having lived in the magical world oh, for no, so long. Oh, no, there's no but, way. But, like, yeah. maybe if he had been put out there, you know, when he was young. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much quick spell actually works. It almost, like, strikes me as one of those, like, as-seen-on-TV yeah, types absolutely. of things that's, like, not really I feel that like, legit. I feel like it's, like, not something that could help a squib, because they, they can't. They can't. They can't. Right. But, like, if you're just, like, bad at certain spells, like, it's, like, a little, like, mail-in tutoring thing. Right. So maybe it could, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Quickspell is more aimed at, like, want to learn how to do, like, certain spells that you didn't learn how to do at school. Mm-hmm. Here. Here's how to, like, learn how to, like, clean and cook with magic and stuff. And then, like... That's true. Here's how to do, like, funky little charms that are fun that you don't learn how to do at school. It's just, like, it has all these little slogans and, like... Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, definitely, feel like, a 2 a.m. Feel out in your world. <laughs> Find yourself making excuses not to perform magic. Ever been taunted by your peers for your willful wand work? Well, I have something for you. Like, that's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what happens. And then Harry runs back into Nick again, and he invites him to the death day party. And so the rest of the chapter is the death day party, and it ends with the chamber being opened. Yep. 
so that's this chapter. Do you have anything you want to say about the death day party before we close it up with the next chapter? Not really. I feel like it's never really been that big of a thing to me. It's interesting, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that ghosts have an equivalent of a birthday that they celebrate. Like, it's cool that you get to learn more about the ghosts and the headless hunt mm-hmm. and... Well, we're introduced to Myrtle, our, our Lord namesake. and Savior. That's true. <laughs> I guess we do have to acknowledge that just because we meet her in this part. I love that, like, Ron and Harry just have no clue who she is, but, like, I'm sure all of the girls at Hogwarts are like, oh, God. I know. <laughs> I mean, Hermione is like, oh. Yeah, it's so funny. And then Peeves comes over and just makes the whole thing worse. Nibbles. <laughs> Squibbles. No. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so. it's interesting. You see a lot of... I think, like, it's fun to get some character development for Nick. Yeah, it is, for sure, to hear more about his backstory. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad for him in this I feel chapter. so bad for him. Those guys are assholes. I know. They, like, come to his oh, party like and, like, steal kid. his shine. That's it's like terrible. that outcast kid wanting to be, like, a jock, yeah. and the jocks are like, oh, yeah, we'll come to your party, and then just, like, steal the spotlight. Like, I feel like that's a stereotypical thing that happened in, like, 2000s rom-coms a lot, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I think of, like, 13 going on 30 when she invites, like, the six chicks over to her party, yes! you know? <laughs> that's yes! what it reminds me of. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that movie's so good. Oh, man, I love it. So, then we see that poor cat. That poor cat. That poor cat. I smell blood. Yikes. <laughs> and we get the first message from the heir of Slytherin. Hell yeah. The Chamber yeah. of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. Watch out, motherfuckers. And that's where it ends. It literally ends with everybody just staring at that cat. Yeah. Crazy. So then the next chapter is when we find out the history. I think that's probably the most important part of this mm-hmm. chapter. And is it this one where they talk about Polyjuice? Well, there's something we have to do. Like, right, it ends. Like, Is that how it ends? I think so. Let me, let me look. Um, where Hermione's, like, ready to fuck it up. Yes. Okay. It ends with them starting to plan how to yep. get the book out of the library so that they can make the potion. Can you read um, The Legend of the Chamber to me? To us. To us all. Yes. Let me find it. It's funny that Bins like doesn't even know who his teachers are. Or who I, his students are. Yeah. I miss Bins. I wish he was in the movies. He's fun. I know. <laughs> He's not in any of them, is he? No. Not even the first one. No. God. Okay. Okay, so the Chamber of Secrets. You all know, of course, that Hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago. The precise date is uncertain by the four greatest witchers and wizards of the age. The four houses are named after them. Godric, Gryffindor, Helga, Hufflepuff, Rowena, Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. They built this castle together, far from prying Mongol eyes, for it was an age when magic was feared by common people, and witches and wizards suffered much persecution. For a few years, the founders worked in harmony together, seeking out youngsters who showed signs of magic and bringing them to the castle to be educated. But then disagreements sprang up between them. A rift began to grow between Slytherin and the others. Slytherin wished to be more selective about the students admitted to Hogwarts. He believed that magical learning should be kept within all magic families. He disliked taking students of muggle parentage, um, believing them to be untrustworthy. 
After a while, <laughs> after a while, there was a serious argument on the subject between Slytherin and Gryffindor, and Slytherin left the school. Reliable historical sources tell us this much, but these honest facts have been obscured by the fanciful legend of a chamber of secrets. The story goes that Slytherin had built a hidden chamber in the castle, of which the other founders knew nothing. Slytherin, according to legend, sealed the chamber of secrets so that none would be able to open it until his true own heir arrived at the school. The heir alone would be able to unseal the chamber of secrets, unleash the horror within, and use it to purge the school of all who were unworthy to study magic. This whole thing is errant nonsense, of course. Naturally, the school has been searched for evidence of such a chamber many times by the most learned witches and wizards. It does not exist. A tale told to frighten the gullible. That's pretty much it. Okay. And then people are, like, trying to ask him questions, and he's like, enough, this is stupid stuff. So, I've got some questions. Number one. This is from one of the randos. Do you think... Salazar Slytherin was a good person. <laughs> he helped found a school. He helped found a school. But so did a lot of people that were bad. <laughs> I don't know. Are racist good people? <laughs> like, that's kind of where it goes. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. And you know what? This is something I see a lot in fandom is a lot of um, Slytherin enjoyment. Like, Salazar Slytherin, the person. A lot of excuse-making. It's tough, because, like, I'm a firm believer that, like, Slytherin House is not a bad house. No. But. Salazar Slytherin, the person. I think Salazar Slytherin had a nasty streak. I wouldn't say that he was, like, evil. I'd say, too, that this, I think um, he was very biased. The school was made forever ago, and it's, you know, from what she puts, like, historically, um, like in a time of persecution for witches and in real life, mm-hmm. not true and real at all, but in the series, like very true and very real. And it was a threat. Right. That like, you know, and so the so idea of like age. spies, you know, but it's like, it's weird because the way that they do this is like, there's no way Petunia for a muggle, a non-magical person to to attend Hogwarts and learn magic. There's no way. It's just right. something in you. Right. Even in Fantastic Beasts, they go on to say that, like, there's, like, genetic differences. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Yeah. There's genetic differences between muggles and magical people. So it's it's weird and interesting that, like, he, you couldn't really have, like, sp- spies or, like, right. people... I don't know, I guess, like, loyalty, when it's, like, such a big deal of, like, wizards versus regular people. Yeah. (laughs) When, like, people are being burned at the stake or whatever, it's a very real threat, I guess. So I I kind of get it, like, historically, but that's not not an excuse, because the other three were like, whatever, dude! See, like, I think (laughs) if he was coming from it of a standpoint of, like, I'm concerned because, like, muggles are attacking our kind, Mm -hmm. I don't think they should be allowed here, and if he was coming from it from that angle, then I'd be like, you know, maybe he's just coming from it, like, from a way of, like, I want to protect, like, the wizarding community. But, like, that's clearly not more pure bloody. (laughs) But, like, that's not what he was after. Like, he chose to be selective... Or he chose to be selective specifically because, like, he didn't believe that muggles were worthy of, like, studying magic. Not because he was, like, trying to protect anybody. 
Also, I'm sorry, that was a question from Pottermore. Apologies, everyone. Oh, that's okay. And then I have a, um, I have another question from Scholastic, and that'll be, this'll be wrapping it up, guys. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> um, Scholastic asks, why is it important for the students to learn, um, legend as well as history of Hogwarts? And like Hermione says, does legend always have roots in fact? I think it does. Yeah. I think I think dumb stuff always comes from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean all these all these fairy tales of dragons, it's like old people running into like dinosaur fossils and being like, Fuck I know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like anybody just made up this stuff. You yeah. know, like it has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that it's just as important for the students to learn the legends of Hogwarts as well as the actual history? Yeah. I think it's at least interesting it, and worthwhile to talk them, about. You know? Especially in this case, of course, it is of integral course, to their education. To true. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, it, I always think it is. I always think fun little stuff. Maybe that would liven up his class a little. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it did this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's important, especially, like, in the ways of discussing, like, like, Hogwarts especially. Like, this show is a bit of a nasty past. Right. And it's like, you have to learn about these things. I it's, think, yeah. at the very least, it's important for them to learn about just, like, the disagreement between the houses and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Mm. It's just, I mean, I think about our school and how much they wanted us to learn all the history of, like, the nuns and stuff mm -hmm. who started it, you know? Like, I think learning about, like, how your school got started is important yeah. to be a part of that community. Even if it's dumb little stories that might not be real. Right. Turns out it's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we end on, after learning about these very troubling things, mm -hmm. Hermione is like time to go. Like, yeah. we gotta get on this. Oh. I know what we have to do. Blah, this blah, is blah. when they're starting to suspect Malfoy for the first time. Yep. And so they're like, we need to figure out if it's real. And they decide to make the potion. Bum, bum, bum. Cliffhanger! Do they succeed in making the potion? Yes. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for part one. Again, like last time, it's like, no, oh, it's just a lot of build-up, but... Get stay ready tuned. for part two. Stay tuned for the fun part. There's a lot that happens in part two, so it's going to get real rowdy. It's going to get, oh boy, is it going to get rowdy. And then stay tuned for the movie commentary, too, because that Even will be rowdier. equally rowdy. <laughs> equally, if not more so. Yeah. Because I get to look at Christian Coulson. Mm. Oh, okay, you know the deal. Follow us on Twitter at MyrtleBathPod or send us an email, MyrtleBathPod at gmail.com. You know it already. So why aren't you doing it? <laughs> <laughs> and as usual, also rate and review us on iTunes. As we say every time, we will read your reviews. Nobody has yet. It's you fine. You can be featured. We have nothing to read except these books. <laughs> <laughs> and random things we find online. Yeah. And hey, by the way, you guys, um, so the, the service that we use to put this stuff up, 
um, is finally getting some Spotify integrated stats. And you guys are listening to us so much. There are so many of you. Yeah, we have so many listens. It makes so it makes exciting. us so happy. I know, like, you know, it matters less to me, the subscriber count, because I know a lot of apps, like the app I use, you have to subscribe to try out an episode, and then I, like, find out I don't like it, so I unsubscribe. So, like, that, that wavering doesn't so much matter to me, but, like, the fact that we've got so many people listening to each episode makes me so happy so besides you know talking to us or whatever I'd really it would really make us happy if you would you know tell your friends about us and tell people who you know like Harry Potter to come listen to our fun pun fun podcast and just oh and reach out to us you guys we really want to hear from you I would say um, feedback we definitely want that and some some listener involvement it's kind of too late here for getting anything in to make us talk about something for Chamber of Secrets. Um, and we don't know when we're going to do Prisoner of Azkaban yet, but um, if you have things and questions that you want us to talk about for any of the upcoming books... Or movies. Um, or movies, you send it send it in to us and, and we'll definitely incorporate it, I know. Yeah. We've been a little last minute with the announcements of Book Club, but like you know it's happening, so any of the future books... That you want us to like, if you've got a question you want to hear us talk about, send it in. Yeah. Twitter or or Gmail or, or whatever. Like, just, just do it up. Yeah. Live it up. We love you, and it's just been a lot of new exciting stats coming in that just made me feel all mushy inside and just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Yeah. We really appreciate it. It's so fun knowing that people like listening to our dumb opinions. I know. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun with this, so... Okay, we'll see you next time for the last half of the Chamber of Secrets. Read up, get ready, kisses forever. Bye. Bye.